Welcome to episode 31 of the G2 on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 15 minutes and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend and um, it's kind of cold in Austin. It was in the 30s and so I'm wearing a uh, skull cap that um, my friends in Latvia um, gave me last year. I, I would have normally been at the 5G Detectory event, but I supported that um, virtually this year. And actually this is a Latvian phrase that literally translates to go find mushrooms, which is kind of their way of saying, you know, sog off. <laughs> so anyway, just wanted to bring that perspective into the podcast this week. Anshul, thanks for joining and let's get started. So my first topic this week, uh, Nokia content, uh, continues to drive momentum with its, uh, its private networking um, business unit. Uh, this week, Bosch Global, you know, Bosch is a big German manufacturer of, you know, power tools and very quiet dishwashers. I've owned one before. Um, they're intending to partner with Nokia to launch over 250 private 5G networks. And this is to support uh, manufacturing automation and that sort of thing. And that's really, from my perspective, one of the um, very compelling use cases for, for 5G private networking. Um, have you been following that, that news at all, Angel? So I, I didn't follow that announcement specifically, but I've been following the trend of Nokia working with industrial partners to launch private 5G networks. Mm -hmm. um, I think that they are clearly establishing themselves as the market leader and experts in deploying private 5G. Um, and I think that they want to be the partner that companies come to when they want to deploy a private 5G network, once they understand uh, what a private 5G network offers and that Nokia is the leader in that space. Yeah, and I think they've been at it, you know, longer than others. Um, I'm actually, um, uh, you know, I've, I've been briefed by their team. I'm getting a deeper dive on, you know, their strategy as they enter next year. And I hope to kind of bring some of that perspective, um, you know, back into a future podcast. But yeah, clearly it's a shining spot for the company. I mean, there have been some some missteps. Uh, there were some additional executive departures uh, most recently. So uh, Pekka, and I forget his last name, he's the new CEO that's taken over for Raji Suri. Um, he's, you know, he's putting a new management team in place to, to go address some of the uh, the shortcomings, but I continue to expect that private uh, cellular networking will be a bright spot for Nokia. So we'll keep our eyes on that. And as, as I mentioned, as I uh, learn more and have more insights, I'll bring those into the podcast. But let's shift to your first topic this week. And you want to talk about Snapdragon. They, they had a pretty big launch just recently, right? Yeah. So Qualcomm. this week, Qualcomm launched the Snapdragon 888 or 888 or 888, whichever way you want to call it. Mm -hmm. um, and this is their new flagship processor. Uh, traditionally, they do this event in Hawaii. Uh, so I'm not in Hawaii this week, which I normally would be. Uh, and uh, as a result, it was a virtual event. They sent out nice care packages to everybody who would be attending with you know, candles and lotion and, and uh, tiki mug. I've got my, my Hawaii um, candle right here. Um, if you're watching the, the video version of the podcast, you can see it. Um, I, 
it's their new flagship processor. Usually they announce a lot of other stuff along with it, but this year they just focus on the smartphone processor. So a lot of people are, are believing, expecting, anticipating that maybe this is going to be the one processor they launch for all of 2021. And there might not be a specific PC one or a specific VR one. Um, but I'm not entirely convinced that that'll be the case. Um, however, it is going to be the fastest processor that they have in the market today. It has the latest cores from ARM. Uh, it's got a X1, which is the fastest ARM core ARM's ever built. Uh, mm -hmm. It's still an eight-core processor design. But the real big deal, and the reason why we're talking about it, is because it has an integrated X60 five nanometer modem from Qualcomm, which is the latest 5G modem, third generation from a company. And the reason why it's a big deal is actually because, first of all, it's different from what Apple's using, which is the X55, which is the second gen modem. And it has the capability of doing uh, TDD and FDD carrier aggregation so that it allows for 5G carrier aggregation in a way that 4G already can do. That's a big deal because 5G today, you know, comes in multiple layers of spectrum, high, mid, and low. And right now you get to choose between one of those three, but you can't actually utilize two of them together at the same time unless they're both FTD or both TDD. Mm -hmm. So being able to combine both TDD and FTD spectrum is a big deal because a lot of the mid-band stuff tends to be TDD and the low-band stuff tends to be FTD. So when you're able to combine something like a, let's say, T-Mobile 600 with their 2.5, uh, you significantly increase both speeds as well as coverage. And when you have good coverage and good speeds, you have a good experience. So I think, you know, operators like AT&T are going to use their 850 with whatever 3.5 they get their hands on. And same with Verizon with their 700 and whatever 3.5 they get their hands on. So it's going to be a process, but the X60 is really the, the modem that will allow for much better user experience, which isn't a very sexy thing because it doesn't, you know, double the 5G speeds like we've been seeing with previous modem designs. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it will re result in much higher real-world performance. And I think that's going to be a really interesting comparison to show, you know, maybe at the end of 2021, as the networks continue to build out, showing the difference between a X60 modem versus an X55, showing the real benefits of having barrier aggregation across multiple bands and also just like a better user experience overall with better coverage and and being able to utilize you know new spectrum awesome um were there any announcements on specific design wins with uh with oems not really they they you know obviously announced all the partners that they have um ready and lined up i believe one of the one of their partners, I think, it was Pocophone or Oppo, or no, it was Realme. Realme announced already that they've got a Snapdragon 888 design out uh, and ready. But I mean, the reality is everything's going to be shipping in Q1 uh, at the earliest, mm -hmm. and I expect that we'll see the usual suspects: Oppo, OnePlus, Xiaomi, uh, Samsung, in certain markets, mm -hmm. all kind of coming out with their iPhone, you know. Competitors and the yeah, Snapdragon 888 is probably the closest competitor to an Apple A14, uh, especially when you consider that it has Wi-Fi 6E and has all the latest Bluetooth. Uh, you know, it's got 26 tops of AI. So if there is a chip to compete with A14, the Snapdragon 888 is going to be it. 
Awesome. Well, Qualcomm continues to push the envelope in the 5G ecosystem. So uh, we'll look forward to you coming back and, and sharing those specific design wins when they get announced early next year. Let me shift to my second topic, and I'm talking about Dish again this week. <laughs> and uh, they, they announced uh, their fiber plan to support front haul and back haul transport um, for usual suspects. Um, but what was interesting, Charlie Edron, their CEO, uh, mentioned a somewhat of a pull-in on you know, their 5G deployment timeline from what was previously communicated as second half of next year. He actually indicated that they will begin to deploy in first quarter, counter quarter of next year. So, I've, you know, again, you, you and I have talked about, you know, kind of, kind of the sort of schizophrenic, um, you know, behavior on the part of Dish. I mean, what's going on? Honestly, I think, um, I think it's a lack of experience. Yeah. Um, I also think that what happens in a lot of these newer companies, especially in a company like Dish, where you have a very headstrong CEO, um, there are certain people who are afraid to tell, um, you know, what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really understand why they would pull it in by at least two quarters. Um, so it seems like there's some miscommunication there. Um, but I think that expectation of what's possible and what's real is very hard to nail down with dish yeah and well they clearly you know the indication is you know they've hired you know uh, you know bench strength from all different parts of the industry from infrastructure providers and operators and that sort of thing but to your point you know the the way they're going about this you know they they're, they're supporting open ran and, and as we know, um, you know, standards are still coalescing there. Open RAN won't necessarily be the highest performance radio access network solution. It's definitely more um, CapEx, you know, cost optimized and brings a level of agility and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I think to give them a little bit of, uh, you know, relief, um, this is new for them, right? And, yeah. um, and, and, and to your point, um, sometimes, you know, the emperor, you know, it's the whole story about the emperor and his clothing, right? And so I, I think maybe some of the, uh, the underlings aren't going to, you know, maybe, maybe share, you know, what they're experiencing directly with upper management. But uh, yeah, so the, the ping pong ball continues to bounce, you know, with Dish, but we'll, uh, we'll keep our eyes on them. Let's move to your second topic this week. And you want to talk about Amazon selling 5G Faraday cages? Yeah, so I, um, as as you know, I've followed quite a few of these stories around 5G. It really fundamentally comes around a misunderstanding or a lack of understanding of what 5G is. Yeah. But um, there are resellers, there's, there's manufacturers and resellers out there selling effectively Faraday cages that protect you and block 5G. Um, and they're, you know, not counterfeit Chinese copies made in the USA, which is a whole other marketing ploy. Um, mm -hmm. But really, these people are being convinced that uh, these Faraday cages are protecting them from electric, electric EMF. And um, 
honestly, the radiation is probably still happening, um, but the radio waves are probably not as strong. So what ends up happening is people are either getting these devices, putting them around their routers or their their Wi-Fi uh, switches or whatever their whatever their actually network equipment is, and realizing that it's completely destroying their signal string. <laughs> and then I'm like, <laughs> and it's like, okay, so either they buy those USB drives to protect their home from you know 5G waves and do absolutely nothing, or they buy these cages and wrap their routers and their their uh, other networking equipment in it, and it doesn't have any signal anymore. And it's like, okay, either it works really well or it doesn't work at all. But in both cases, people are being ripped off, and um, these these guys are selling these things on Amazon, and some of the reviews are actually quite amusing because you know <laughs> these people are reporting that like uh it kills signal strength from the router and it's like devices that were previously located at 30 to 40 feet from the router that used to have full signal strength don't even connect to it anymore and it's like yeah because you actually have a faraday cage 